And I saw something, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like I saw it on your site where it was in the Bible that once we do start awakening that people will change their names to the Hebrew names. And yes. And I remember hearing that and seeing that and I wanted to find that where that was. So that was on your site. I've talked about that. I've just quoted the scripture. I think it's Isaiah that says that, but it's a prophecy and people are fulfilling that prophecy. Everyone has their own convictions. I personally am holding to Revelation where Yeshua says that he will eventually deposit a white stone yep, with our name and only we will know it. And that name <laughs> yep. will be the name that you will fulfill because he's giving it to you. He knows exactly. And it's not going to be like, yeah. I'm going to take right. you know, Ezekiel's name. It's No, it's going to be a name. All of those names actually were for that person. Like the, mm-hmm. the names were prophetic. It meant what you lived out or what you would aspire to. Jacob actually yeah. ended up having two names because he lived out two things that, that were very prophetic. And his second name became a national name. And mm-hmm. so, so it was the first. You know, it's basically two sides of us. We're both Jacob and Israel, in, in a sense, as mm-hmm. a nation. Depends on what you are fulfilling at the individual level. And so I'm, I'm waiting for that time, but not knocking Same. anyone who is inspired to, you know, basically change their name. Now that fulfills prophecy as well. Right. Exactly. Yes, and that, that helped me because... One thing I saw during the walk of learning and discovery is that if I can give you an analogy, it was like the shepherd allowing the sheep to go so far and he would always herd me back to the right path to the right right message. Great analogy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so he would he would let me go so far, like, you know, and I thought, Wow, thank you, uh, you know, for keeping me on that track and on that right path. And now we're down to like, on I can count on one hand who we listen to. I didn't want to go to anyone that's not teaching me about who we are anymore. Yeah, we can get the word from anybody, but now it's, it's about our people, you know, learning from my people that I know have my best interests at heart, but also allowing y'all to steer us and saying, okay, this is okay. You know, we, we only have about three, maybe maybe four that we look at, but it's very few now that he keeps us, you know, and it's like, this feeds me. This is all we need at this point. You're listening to Fruit Bearers, a living Hebrew production provided by kingdompreppers.org. I'm your host, Kingdom Prepper. This podcast will focus on the spiritual walk of those of you out there who are living the Israelite lifestyle, whether you were born Hebrew or Gentile. But more than that, it will detail how the faithful have been or are striving to be fruit bearers as they walk the path of righteousness toward the kingdom. We turn to our next guest. My name is Sheila G. My walk started with Yah when I was 13 years old. Uh, My father was in the military and we were stationed in Germany and I pretty much grew up in Europe. So my walk was over in Europe uh, in the beginning. And my mother was the first one to get saved as soon as we got to Europe. So I saw the the plan, you know, when we look back at life, we see where Yah was with us and how we had an um, near-fatal car accident before we went to Europe. 
and how my my stepfather came into my life, you know, after that time and took us away from the U.S. And that was obviously his plan for us, you know, when we got to Germany. Like I said, our neighbor shared Jesus with my mother, and that was 40-so years ago. And we went to a small church there in the community, and I remember just being so interested in Yah, and we didn't have any kind of, you know, spirituality before this time. I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know anything about the life. You know, I may have gone to church with some cousins and things of that nature and seen things, spiritual things that happened, but didn't understand any of it because I, I wasn't raised in that segment. So when we got to Germany, I feel like not only did I experience job, but I also experienced my first bout with principality. It was a real struggle. It was a situation where Satan began to speak to me. And I honestly didn't know who was speaking to me. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was a voice in my head. And he would tell me things and one day, and this went on for maybe a year or about a year, and one day I remember being stressed out from school, being stressed out from my mother. So I remember telling that voice that I heard so much, if you are real, then put me in the hospital so I can get a break from all this madness. And within 24 hours, I was going to the emergency room with an undiagnosed illness. I went to American doctors, I went to German doctors, and no one could diagnose me. So I began to decline my health. This started in my ear for some reason. We went to the doctor several times, and the best thing that helped relieve my pain and my suffering was therapy from the European doctors. So I would go, I don't know how often, periodically, and go and get therapy, and based on my symptoms, you know, he treated that. And my mother would have, the women in the community, they would have Bible study at each other's homes, and they would alternate. So when it was my mom's time for Bible study, I remember her, and I, I wasn't going to school, and my health was just declining. And I remember one of the ladies there, and they would pray for me, you know, and everything. But I remember them saying, this is a curse from the pits of hell on Sheila. And that's what, you know, my mother needs to pray for. She started praying for that. And I remember getting weaker and weaker to the point where I had to have my dad help me sit up. I was that weak and I, I wasn't eating anymore. I couldn't hold food down. And I remember my mom, you know, she prayed for me day and night all the time. She anointed me, you know, all the time. And I remember she went into my room and I was in their bed and my father was sitting at the foot of the bed watching TV. And at that time, right before she went in my room, I started seeing like letters on the wall, like, like illuminated letters and, you know, J and C. And in my mind, I was thinking Jesus Christ, you know, and I saw a dove and she felt like my daughter's going to the light. So she got up and she went into my room and she started praying. And when she did, the Lord told her that when you go back in your room, she'll be healed. And he told her what to feed me and everything to get my health back. 
And at the same time, he told me to sit up. And so I asked my dad, dad, can you help me sit up? And my dad helped me sit up in the bed. And I was just kind of playing with my hands. I was feeling better. My strength started coming back. And when she came out of my room, of course, she was just so happy and rejoiced. I remember telling her I wanted grapes. That's what I wanted for some reason. I I think because my fever was always so high, I just wanted something cool and, and light. So she fed me, and so my strength grew from there. So I I finally did tell her what happened. We had to talk about it and everything. And, of course, never did that again because I saw that this is real. Principalities are real, and if the devil is real, God is certainly real. During that tenure in Germany, from the time I was like 13 up until I was about 14, the enemy tried to continually find a way to me. And I remember when I was about 14, I got into horoscopes really, really, really heavily. Like it was like an addiction for me. And there's background of my grandmother practicing witchcraft. Um, it was a lot of bad stuff on my mother's mother's side of the family. And my mother started learning about generational curses. And, you know, and the enemy was getting to me through horoscope in the meantime and horror films and horror books. And I was reading things like that. And then he was just busy trying to keep me from serving Yah. And I remember, you know, I got serious. I became the choir director in the church and we went to church faithfully. Our neighborhood, the girls in our neighborhood were considered as virtuous girls. We all had to be home. Like every base had different, I guess, a different spirit, if you will, you know, kind of ruling each base. And the girls on my base, we were known as the good girls and we were home before dark. When anyone came on our base, if it was nighttime and streetlights were on, we were all inside with our families. And so that's the upbringing that we had, you know, to be wholesome girls and good girls. I remember during that time, prior to that, I remember it was just a lot of darkness in my room. My mother said she would go in and she would pray, you know, the women during the day while I was at school, and it would live for a moment, but it would always come back because of me. I was the one opening those doors and allowing him to continue to come back. And I remember she said there were times when some of the women couldn't pray in my room because they would get ill. And it was really dark at that time. And I remember one day coming home and walking into my room and I can't describe in detail what this was about. But when I walked into my room, I was in another dimension and I didn't know where I was. Like I was not in my room. How can I be seeing what I'm seeing, which I don't honestly remember what I was seeing, but I know I didn't see my furniture in my room or anything. I was in another dimension. I walked out of my room door and I was back in my house and I thought, what is going on? And so that's just how powerful it had gotten at that time. And like I said, I had started reading my Bible more and then started spending more time with Yah. And I remember one night in particular that I was home alone, and I was in my bed reading my Bible, and I remember Satan came to me and said, I'm about to possess you, and that terrified me, and I, I remember sitting there like, no, 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 and I jumped up and ran out of my room, and my mother, I knew she, we lived in a mid-rise, 
And I know she was downstairs with the lady that brought her to Christ, which is very strong in God. So they always fellowship. They always, you know, were together and talking about the Lord. And I knew my mother was downstairs with her. And so I ran to them and I told them what happened. And at that moment, you know, they prayed. They were like, oh, no, you know, and so they prayed with me. And, and that's when the Holy Spirit entered my life. And after that, that demon went away. He never returned in a powerful way like that again, ever. So that was a testament to me about the Holy Spirit. That showed me who was more powerful, and hands down, no doubt about it. So once that happened, I began to read and, and learn more about Yah and walk in His ways. Fast forward my life to 16, my husband was a football jock. He was all Europe in football. He was really good. He was very popular in school and all the girls liked him. And I didn't give him the time of day I, because in my mind, I thought typical football jock, he's probably stuck up, womanizer, et cetera, et cetera. So I didn't want to give him the time of day. I never even paid him any attention. I tried not to look at him, you know, and I remember when it was our time, and I'll tell you why I say that, we were in the hallway together and it was just us. It was very, very few people. I don't know if we were both running late for class that day or what, but it was set up to where it was just he and I in the hall for the most part. And we looked at each other and I finally acknowledged him and looked at him and he spoke to me. And when he spoke to me, I saw his heart and I've never, this has never happened before or since, but I saw his heart and I thought he is a beautiful person. And we had so many mutual friends. He said he heard my name all the time, but didn't know who I was. And when that happened, I remember telling our mutual best friend, she was half German, half black over there. I told her, what happened and how I felt. And so she said she was going to tell him. I was like, don't you tell him, don't you tell him. And by the next class period, she was handing me a note from him with him giving me his phone number and saying call. After that, we, we were inseparable. And he remembers the walk that we took where he said he fell in love with me. And just by talking to me and getting to know me and things of that nature. And so we were promised to each other. We said we would be together, we were engaged. And by the time I left, I was a senior in high school and he had graduated. And when I left, you know, we promised that we'd stay in touch and everything. And once I graduated, our plan was to get married. Well, when I left Germany, we went to Maryland and I didn't like the state. It was a culture shock to be back in my own homeland. and because I had been there since I was 11 years old, and then I left as a senior. When I got to Maryland, he moved to North Dakota, and we wrote every day, like he promised. We wrote all the time. We sent each other tape recordings of our voice, and we sent pictures and cards. We stayed in touch for a year. And after the year, the letters started to trickle down and the phone calls were far and few in between. And I figured he had met someone. And so I started trying to go on with my life. And 
didn't know at the time he was going through a lot of a lot of turmoil in his life at that time and he just didn't want to talk to me about it. He was trying to handle it himself, whatever. So eventually I got married and he never got married, but you know, he, our lives went separate ways. And so I was in um, an abusive marriage. That was the first time for me that I had been mistreated in that way by a male. You know, my husband, my husband, boyfriend back then always treated me like such a lady with such respect. And he set the tone for me as to how, you know, men should treat me, which was very similar to to how my dad treated me. My dad was such uh, is, <laughs> so he's very lovable. He's very, me and my dad were best friends, but I got married. I was in an abusive relationship and then I became a single mother. I finally divorced him. And during that time, I, I remember being at work and uh, it was years later. I'm in the States, I'm settled and I'm on my own. And it was back in 2000. I remember being on the internet when I would research certain things from my job and classmates.com kept popping up and I would always X out of it. Like, you know, no, it's an ad. I'm not going to find my classmates over there, you know? And, and so I kept doing this one on for months. And finally, I guess y'all said, okay, she's not going to open it. I will make her open it. And I accidentally, or so at quote unquote, accidentally, um, opened the app instead of closing it this particular day. When I opened the app, I thought, I felt like there was something telling me to do this. And so I was saying, my school is not going to be there. <laughs> I'm not going to find it. And I'm like, it's a German, you know, it's a Germany. And so I started looking, I was like, okay, fine, I'll look. And so I started looking and I saw APO, which was German Dodge School, DOD schools. And I thought, wait a minute, you know, so I start looking and I thought, oh, my goodness, look at all my classmates, they're here, you know, and so, of course, I was looking for him. Between the time that my life went on without him, I never stopped thinking about this man. He said the same thing, he never stopped thinking about me. And so when I got on classmates, you know, he was the first person I looked for. And of course, I didn't find him. It was kind of kind of uh, disappointing, you know, and a little drop to my spirit. But I was like, well, let me see who I can find on here. And so out of the hundreds of classmates, I picked this one girl and she was my brother's age. My brother is two years older than me. And so I knew her, you know, we went to church together a couple of times and I never, you know, we weren't like best friends or anything, but I was led to reach out to her. And so when I reached out to her, we exchanged numbers and we called each other and we were just laughing and talking and catching up on, you know, the old days. And so toward the end of the conversation, I asked her, which that was my initial question all along, but, you know, it was nice to catch up as well. So I didn't want to seem desperate, but so I, I saved it and I waited until toward the end of the conversation and asked her, I said, do you remember, you know, and I said his name and she said, girl, yes, I'm dating his brother. I have his mother's number. I have their, you know, and I, I just was like, 
I couldn't believe it. Back in Germany, he went to church with me. You know, he was trying to find God himself. And he was in the same boat I was in when I first got there. Didn't know anything, you know, and he had been to Baptist church and it, it more scared him as a child than anything. So he wasn't comfortable with what he had learned. He said when he got with me and my mom, my family, he was able to learn more about God in a different way. And I remember he had allergies. We always had cats. And so not knowing he was allergic to my cat, but he always had allergies where his nose was stuffy. And he remembered that my mom prayed for him and he didn't have allergies for years. Like he is, his, his nasal passages cleared up and that was profound to him. So fast forward, she gave my husband's brother my phone number and said, you know, have him call me. And my husband tried to call me, but then the number, there was one number that was wrong. And so we're sorry, you have reached a number that has been waited and had to get the right number from her and everything. But anyway, he called me and I remember when he finally did get me, um, it was a Sunday and my mom had my children, um, my boys, she had taken them to church and they had spent the weekend with her and I was cooking breakfast for them, even though I know she was bringing them home. And I remember when he called me and when he asked, he, he asked for me and he stuttered and I knew immediately who that voice was. And when when he stuttered my name, I repeated, I said, this is Sheila, you know, and I stuttered with him and we just started laughing and, and, you know, we talked and it was just, it was amazing. It was like, we picked up where we left off. And so when he got ready to get off the phone, he paused and I said, well, what's wrong? And he said, I don't know if I should tell you I love you, you know? And I said, well, if that's how you feel, you know, because I still love you. So, you know, when we decided that we wanted to try this long distance thing again. He was living in Florida at the time and I was in Texas. He said, I want this to be exclusive. I want to do it right this time. You know, we're adults and I want to do this right. So we did that for uh, like a year, stayed over the phone and got to know each other again. So fast forward to, you know, visits and back and forth to Florida, to Texas. And it was like one of the times was like, I can't say goodbye to you anymore. We just got to do this. And so he relocated here to Texas with me and my boys. And, you know, we always dreamed when we were in high school that we wanted four children. We wanted three boys and a girl. And I had three boys and he had a girl. So <laughs> we ended up having the children we wanted. And so now all our children are grown. We got married. The Lord blessed us so many ways, and we're just happy. During my walk with the Lord, I just didn't want to be the Christian that I saw before me. And so that was always a struggle. It was always off and on, off and on, hot and cold, hot and cold. And I didn't understand. And I would wonder, y'all, why can't I just stay with you? Like, what is the problem? And I remember when I was finally awakened as to who I was, my life and my walk with y'all changed completely. Coming here to mega churches, it, it was like 
no love, you know? And so I started looking for churches for myself, for me and my children. And, you know, my children would tell me there was fighting going on in their children's service. And it's like, this is not what we're looking for. So, you know, after a while, I just stopped. I just stopped looking and my walk with y'all dropped and I wasn't, you know, living like I was supposed to. It was times, like I said, that I was so on fire for the Lord. And then there was times when I would go through these dry spells. And so, and I was like, that's not how this is supposed to be. I just don't understand why I can't commit. So as far as our awakening, my husband and I started praying last year for truth. We don't know why that's what we started praying, but we started asking y'all for truth. Show us truth. I don't know why (laughs) we were praying that, honestly. But during that time we were praying that, we actually found a church that we thought was perfect for us. And we started going and we finally decided we wanted to commit because, you know, we were were really trying to be faithful to y'all we decided to join the church and that was huge for us because again I've looked for a church for years so we signed up and we had to go through like a a day class and we did that and we signed up for all of you know the volunteering and the classes you know we wanted to be active in the church and and really participate and be on fire for the Lord so when we did that it was less than a month that Yah finally answered our prayer about truth and took us out of the church. It was amazing because for us to have finally found a church and thought, you know, we were committed now, then to hear what the truth was and Yah took us out of the church, it was like, you know, they were calling us and we were like, what do we tell them, <laughs> you know? We didn't know what to say. Like, uh, we found out that uh, we, we there's truth and this isn't it. You know, y'all's taking us out of here. You know, what do you say to that? How did that happen? How did you wake up and come to realize who you so, are? It was last year in May. So it was a co-worker that I was kind of witnessing to here and there. You know, we would talk about the Lord. And whenever we had questions, we'd call my mom, you know, because she has the theology of everything, this Christian theology. So she knows a lot about the Bible. But when we, my husband and I, you know, every day on the way to work, we were praying and that, like I said, and, and every day in the evening, you know, we were praying that. and. I started looking at YouTube and a coworker of mine, she was doing the same thing. And so this guy that I found on YouTube, I can't think of his name, but he started asking the questions, you know, have you ever wondered why you were, why this or why that? Basically, why are black people treated the way they're treated? Why are we different from the rest of the world? Have you ever wondered why they keep changing our name, our nationality? You know, and I thought everything he he asked, all the questions he asked, I thought, yes, yes, I, I've wondered all of this, you know, and he went into who we are and Deuteronomy. And that's when 
we were awakened and I thought, could this be real? Could this be true, Lord? And so I do my due diligence and I research. And if it's not lining up with the word, I'm not, I'm rejecting it. And so what he was saying was coming out of the word and, you know, I couldn't reject that. And so I began to search, you know, not only the Bible, but the history of our people and going back further than the 1800s, because so many things were changed by then, going back into the 1400s and, and so on and so forth, and, and looking at books that were introduced to me through my research and seeing things that have occurred. And it was just eye-opening and mind-blowing that we were who we were. And I remember always telling my mom, you know, we never had a king, a president. We never had anyone that was for us. And to find out that we have the greatest king, the only true king that chose us for a people, that was priceless. Like that right there, it, it was everything I needed and more. We started researching and we just started digging into the word and learning more and more about who we were. And it just grew from there. So both of you basically woke up together, which is kind of unheard of in this walk. Um, Usually it's (laughs) it's one or the other waking up and it's hard to kind of reach your spouse. That's how it is for a lot of households. But you, you two are privileged and blessed to be both awake right now in this walk and kind of on the same page. That's wonderful. And you're obviously raising your children this way and in this light, right? Teaching them Yah and Torah and stuff like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I heard about it, I, I had to go to them and apologize and let them know that what I've taught you is wrong. And I didn't know any better. It's what I was taught. And, and, you know, I taught them and now they know who they are and they are on board as well. So your whole family is what they say woke right now, obviously. Yes. And uh, my mother is the last one and she's slowly coming around. She, because of all the theology and, you know, she's gone to ministry school and things of that nature, you know, and it's like, mom, why can't you see this? (laughs) You know, it's like, but I don't want to keep arguing with her. I feel like, you know, I've planted the seed and, and y'all will water it. There have been some things that are opening her mind more and more to it. And one of the things, my brother, I wanted to tell my brother about it. Um, My dad, I had actually had an awakening party and I had about 15 people, friends and family, and they were all kind of hearing things and kind of on that path a little bit. So I was so surprised, you know, how everybody was so willing, you know, to have this discussion and to be open to the awakening party where we watch from Hebrew to Negro. And when I was at work, when I I remember um, when I was awakened, I was going through some hard times at work. And a lot of us were, a lot of us Hebrews were. And when I learned why we go through what we go through, it just calmed the storm in me. I mean, and I, because it's one thing to be in this state and not have any kind of rescue or any kind of relief and to think that you're helpless 
But then it's another thing to learn that this is a curse from y'all. Nobody can do anything about it but him. (laughs) And then that settled my spirit, you know, and then I went through the the process of of what the Hebrews went through, the Israelites back in the day, the proudness, the haughty, you know, of who I am. I went through all those, the, the transformations of, and I went, came back full circle to, it's okay that I'm a Hebrew. I don't have to be proud and stiff neck about it. The ultimate goal is to be with Yah in the end and to be loving and to be more like him. Did you look at, the origins of certain things and how things were corrupted in the scriptures, like how names were changed and how our identity was basically lost and things were whitewashed. Do you, you go through all of that as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where the anger came in. Them lying to us all these years. And then the anger of our ancestors, we were supposed to be the head and not the tail. And y'all accepted this, these terms with Yah, but you didn't keep the commandments, you know, and as, and as, as a result, you, you made all of us suffer. And I, I did, I went through, I went through a lot of emotions, you know, I went through breaking down and crying. And then I went through my mind renewing, like, is this really real? Like, but it's in the, in the word, I know it's real, you know, and, and, and you can't, you can't dispute God's word. I thank him for putting things in there that would help us in this time. And I remember when I did discover, and then the 400 years hit in August, and I thought, now what, y'all? And I'm seeing now what, you know? The world is in turmoil right now, the whole world. And only God can do that. Only God can stop the whole world. I look at where his hand has been upon this family all along, anytime there was a recession, anytime there was hard, hardship in any way going on in the world, y'all always had his hand on us. And to the point where I wondered if it was really real, what we were seeing, you know, I, I don't watch the news because I know what it is. And But seeing and hearing about so many people losing jobs and people in poverty, and I thought, we have never, ever been touched by that. And I thank him for that. I, I really thank him that, you know, we have always, he's always maintained us. Since waking up, how has your life changed? Like, what, what did you guys do differently as a family or as a couple, as individuals? What changed? One of the things that has changed in my life, well, multiple things, honestly. I've stopped cursing. I don't drink. I mean, I was a social drinker, but I don't even do that. Um, I stopped saying, like, I'm learning more. I'm reading the Bible more. I can't start my day without starting my day with y'all. I wake up with y'all on my mind and go to bed with him on my mind. And I read and I pray and I worship him before I do anything. Um, I stop listening to secular music. Um, no more road rage. <laughs> I've become more loving. We became vegan. I feel like he started us on a vegan walk about four years ago. My Our oldest son and his wife actually introduced us to it. And I don't watch secular TV. I watch biblical movies and stories about the Bible. It's hard, you know, to see it in the image that you see it in. 
but I just let myself get lost in the story. You know, I used to do Bible study for children when I was a single parent. The Lord just put on my heart to reach out to the children in the neighborhood. And, you know, now I was telling my husband, we're, we're in the middle of getting a house built right now. And I told him, you know, one of the things that when Yah did wake me, he told me he wanted to start a nonprofit for abused children. So with COVID, that's something that kind of slowed the efforts down for that. But that's something that I want to look back into once we move into our house and into the area that we're moving to. I remember my brother, I was telling y'all, I really want a, an opportunity to be able to talk to my brother about this. And he's old stiff neck for sure. So I was like, yeah, you know, touch his heart and help him to, to be open-minded and receive what I have to say through you. And as soon as I finished praying for that, I text my brother and I said, what are you doing this weekend? At the same time, he and his wife were texting me. She was texting me, what are you doing this weekend? <laughs> and my brother was saying, he's just going to be grilling. And I thought, thank you, y'all. That was so you, you know, before I can even finish the prayer good, you know, you had already ordained and worked this out. So when I talked to them about it, I asked him kind of the line of questioning like that when I learned and he was saying, yeah, I've thought about that. I've thought about that. You know, I have, you know, and so when we, we used to go to Bible study, he used to skip in Germany. He used to go over to, you know, play video games That's when Pac-Man was out. And, you know, so he, he just never was one to dig into y'all like I was. So that's why I was nervous about him accepting this and, and opening his heart to this. And so his wife told me, you know, the things that you're saying, he has actually been talking about. So y'all had already moved on him and touched his heart. And so that was just confirmation. And it was amazing that he had already been introduced to this. And so I was, you know, just telling him who we are and took my Bible and showing him in the word, you know, where the Lord said Deuteronomy and why we're in the position we're in. And it's been the family, you know, my, my immediate family and my, my parents, you know, my, my dad, his wife, my parents are divorced now, but my dad and his new wife are vegan and they're on board with learning this as well. They came to my, you know, awakening party and we're excited about learning this as well. So everybody's on board. It's, it's been effortless. <laughs> Hallelujah. And now I know you came out of Christianity and um, the names are like sort of hard to let go of and titles and so forth. I know you've probably come across the actual switch, like these, the, the Masoretic texts and so forth, how they, they put vowel points, you know, around certain names and change certain things, especially when the Anglican element came in and you had like the papacy and the church of england and all these, these groups and churches come in and they actually changed certain things they anglicized and latinized the words particularly the names and the, the titles that that are actually written in the scriptures in the hebraic element was lost yah's name became the lord and the Lord is basically stemming back to feudalism. I talk about this in a series that I have out called Churchianity. Like you were the Lord of your manor or the Lord of your land. 
And it's, it's basically feudalism. You have people who bid allegiance to you or homage. That, that term is actually from feudalism as well. So they actually see the creator as a feudal lord, which is why they use that term as well. But it also stems from Baal. So that is an actual translation of the word Baal. And it goes back to ancient times and ancient practices. So those names sort of crept in. Same thing with God. And Jesus Christ is basically Jesus Christos. It's actually mm-hmm. Greek. And it is, uh, it's a translation of Yeshua. But because Greek doesn't have certain letters, they actually substitute. And it basically is just a replacement of what is there. So, mm-hmm. and these words actually come down to us in the English because it comes from old English and that's the translation that came from the Greek and so forth. So that's where we get Jesus Christ from, but he was never called that. The mm-hmm. creator was never referred to as Lord or God. So those are Christianized interpretations of those things. So when we go back to our heritage, we go back to calling him what he was actually called in all senses. So we can't like keep holding on and mixing the two. Mm-hmm. We have to learn to separate completely from it, but it takes time. You know, and it takes practice. So that's one of the things. And that, yes. And then that, I'm glad you brought that up because I was actually just getting into your churchianity series last week. I said I was going to start watching that. So like I watch those while I'm working and, and just let my spirit be fed. I had actually moved over to saying Yah and Elohim and Yeshua and I remember, you know, it's certain preachers, you know, that you you may listen to say the name of Jesus always worked for me. So that's what I'm going to use, you know, and I had started to say Yah faithfully and Elohim, like even in our new home, we wrote um, above the, the office Elohim, you know, like we had, we went and wrote scriptures all through our house and our foundation. We buried scriptures under the foundation since it was being built from the ground up. And um, we had a scripture writing event where the whole family came out and wrote all through the house scriptures and in, in, on the framework. And I, you know, I, we're still learning a lot. There's so much. And yes, we have learned about how, you know, the fake quote unquote picture of, of white Jesus that we saw, um, who that was and, you know, how there is no J in the in the alphabet, in the Hebraic alphabet. So it is something that we're still learning. And I want to be comfortable with being, you know what I'm saying? Being being able to say Yah and and Yeshua when I pray and not feel like I'm again that that you know undoing the mind, you know, undoing what we've been brainwashed to, the the doctrination and the teachings that we've been taught because we were literally kidnapped from our heritage, from you know seeing. I remember looking at the Aborigines at one point just in history, looking at researching that and seeing how they taught them that they were uncivilized and to train them, you know, on their ways. And it's like, that's exactly what happened to us. It's, you know, but over the generations, we didn't see it the way I'm looking at these children now being snatched from their parents, because our parents were by then indoctrinated and brainwashed 
and then then sent us to schools that further indoctrinated us, you know, in, right. in false falsianity, you know. <laughs> well, so it, you, it is a renewing of the mind. Correct. And what you're saying is very true. There are people who say, you know, it, it worked for me and I'm not going to change. These names have been what I call them and my prayers are heard. You know, that's kind of the mentality where you, it's like the Stockholm syndrome. You identify with your captor and things like that. Status quo, mm-hmm. you're, you're not going to buck the system. Now, when you research and you see that, yeah, like J is basically a 500-year-old letter, things like that. You know for a fact he was not called these things. He was never called that when he walked the earth. The creator mm-hmm. was not called the things that we call him. Yah deals with us on a level of when we're ignorant, he reaches us where we are. He basically tabernacles with us and he fellowships and he tries to pull us up out of the mire. Well, there's never a time in our, in our lives where we actually come out of the mire and reach him. He always reaches down into the mire and pulls us up out of it. So when you're in ignorance, of course, he's going to, that's fine. He's going to hear you. You can call on that name and he'll obviously answer your prayers and things like that. But when you have heard and when you've learned and when you've actually embraced truth, ignorance turns to arrogance. Unless you completely did not fully register and mm-hmm. understand the truth that you've heard, that's different. Mm-hmm. But once you've received it and you've accepted it, and then you say, you know what, I know that's true, but I'm going to still do this, then that becomes arrogance. And he does not deal with arrogance very long. That, that, mm-hmm. That's a whole different territory. I don't watch the news, but when I used to, you would see like, if you're watching him in Spanish news and they're talking about the president, they will literally say all the words in Spanish until they reach the president. They'll say, President George Bush. They don't say Jorge or anything. They call him by his actual name. So when it comes to dignitaries, whether it's a Russian dignitary, a Chinese dignitary, or whether Chinese news is talking about an American president, they will use the actual designation. So dignitaries, their name should be intact in the actual language. So I'll say Ezekiel and Elijah, right? But I will keep the dignitary, the creator, his son, those names as their actual names because they're dignitaries. It does take a while for you to, especially like you said, pray in the names and call on that because you're coming out of Christianity, like you're talking about that brainwashing, it runs so deep. And we, when we left slavery, we left with a lot of slavery baggage and we were broken and, and we're still broken as the descendants of, of slaves. You know, we're still crawling back up out of the muck that we were left in. Absolutely. Yes. During our discussion, Sheila shared something she was conflicted with as a newly awakened Hebrew. About the Torah, like, are we supposed to be reading the Torah? I'm, I'm not sure about that. Just trying to find out about the laws. And that's something else that is really controversial right now. And I've been, you know, hearing so much about should we try and live up to the laws Should we not? One of the things that stuck in my mind when I read in Deuteronomy 28 is that Yah says this law is forever until he gives us a new law. And so I was learning that when Yeshua came, that that was our new law. But something about that forever in Deuteronomy Mm -hmm. just just kind of stays on my mind. It stays in my heart because Yah said in Revelation that he would give us a new law and he would write it on our hearts. That's actually, uh, Jeremiah and Ezekiel talk about that, right? Um, the, The new law being written on our hearts. I mean, some Christians believe that that is now. 
that were the case, and it says, according to Ezekiel 36, if, if that were the case, and also Jeremiah 31, that were the case, there would be no sinning. No one would be sinning, no one would be lying, no one would be stealing. It's written on your heart. You're, you have a new heart, you're a new mind, and a new spirit. If that's fulfilled, sin ceases in you, in your body. There's no more repenting because you're done sinning. So that is not fulfilled yet. That's actually going to be fulfilled in the wilderness experience, according to Ezekiel 36. And, and you can read it and see exactly what it talks about. But okay. again, with the law being forever, you just said that Deuteronomy thing. What did, what did Yeshua himself say? Until heaven and earth pass mm -hmm. away, not yeah. one yod or one tittle will be stricken from the law. And mm -hmm. last time I looked, heaven and earth are still there. Still here. His law is as eternal as he is because his character is his law. His law is his character. So he, mm -hmm. if he says Malachi 3 verse 6, he changes not. Anything that's new, mm -hmm. anything that's called new, just use the word re in front of it, renewed, because there is no new. It's like a renewing, like when you renew your marriage vow, you're not marrying a new person. You know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. you're right. renewing whatever's there. That's all it is. And the covenant, the new covenant is basically the old covenant with one extra stipulation. One thing changes. Now, I talk about this in the Scattered Among the Nations series, talk about it in the Yah Particle article on the website. It's basically one thing is added, and that is the obligation on our part to hold up our end of the bargain. Yah is actually going to help us keep our end. That is the only difference in the new covenant. Everything else stays the exact same. And you can read it for yourself in Ezekiel and in Jeremiah. It is there plain as day. And like you're saying, mm -hmm. people are saying all kinds of things, but when you go back to the script, when you keep your eyes glued to those words in the scriptures and in the Messianic mm -hmm. writings, and you read for yourself what it says, there is no confusion. And when you start to study out the Torah and what it represents, because it's very prophetic, there are things in there that have yet to be fulfilled. There are things that have been fulfilled. There are things that really speak to his eternal plan. The Torah holds the answers to so many things. It's such a powerful, powerful book. It's, it's basically the law that embodies his character and what he desires for us. And the whole entire scriptures, the prophets, the writings, and Yeshua himself, when he says, search the scriptures, what is he talking about? He's talking about mm -hmm. everything from Genesis to Malachi. He's not even talking about Matthew to Revelation because that didn't exist. So the scriptures are really... The scriptures are really the Torah, the prophets, and the writings, Psalms, the things that he quoted. You, you hear what he quoted. He quoted Psalms. He quoted Ezekiel, Isaiah, Daniel. The, you know, he quoted the Torah. These are the scriptures. So the Messianic writings inform us about those things. Everything else is sort of like a, a commentary on top of the scriptures themselves. So yeah, those writings are, are definitely there for us to absorb, to learn from, to glean, to live up to. And they are very powerful. They're living words. Okay. And that is, I think, one thing that's a stumbling block for those that are newly awakening. Correct. Because there's so many back and forth. And one thing that also resonated with me reading in Deuteronomy is how is it that we're no longer under that law if we're still under the curse? That's a good question. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's you a good can't question. have one without the other. <laughs> like, how can you pick what yeah. part of Deuteronomy? You know what I mean? Like, now, it, it, 
the term under the law, right, makes it seem like mm-hmm. the law is a burden that you're carrying. Mm-hmm. Only people who are under the law are the people who find it burdensome and want to get out from under it. But mm-hmm. essentially, when you are obedient and lawful and law abiding, mm-hmm. you're not under anything. Right. You're walking mm-hmm. on the law. You're walking according to the law. There is no, there is no condemnation. There is no. It's like basically, if you know you're supposed to do something, right, and that mm-hmm. thing is good for you, why would you go against it? Then you will suffer the consequences of going against that thing. Like if we're not supposed to drink gasoline, why would you put gasoline into your body? Now you're under the law. You're under the penalty of what that will do to your body. You'll start mm-hmm. to slowly die. So that's the under the law concept. But everybody who is a law abiding citizen, they don't feel mm-hmm. burdened down by the law. We're actually free. The law is right. very freeing. It gives you mm-hmm. liberty because you're now in league with Yah and in complete agreement with him and his ways. Everybody who you see in scripture who was blessed from, you can look at Abraham, Noah, Joseph, they were all law abiding and he was with them, it said, and he blessed them they prospered and so forth and so on. And they're not doing it to get things, but those are the consequences that come with your actual obedience. It's just, it just works hand in hand. And for you going against anything from Cain down, you see what happened with that disobedience, Judas. Mm -hmm. And there is still a spirit of lawlessness in this world and it's Mm -hmm. still being fueled by the devil and it's still being fueled by demons and so forth. And there are people who seem like they're for ya but they are really lawless. The scribes and Pharisees mentality, and they're going to try and teach you to forego the law and do away with it. That's still a very, very important mission for the enemy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, I see that. You know, like you said, when when you're walking with him and and you you are trying to be obedient as as best you can and and follow his commandments, that's exactly how I felt. I didn't feel like I was under a burden to law. I felt like I was in union with Yah the way I, I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. All honesty, it's like, what, what are we going to do if you, we're going against the law? Now we're going to allow people to come in and steal from us because we are free to steal. You're free to murder. There is there is anarchy and chaos. Might as well there be yeah. no law. So, And what are we going to mm-hmm. do, pick and choose? It's like, it's ridiculous, right? right? Like, yes. It's honestly insanity. Laws are actually there to create a framework. They're the bones of government. They actually frame everything. Everything hangs on them. And then you can see substance. If you see a bunch of skin and hair with no bones, just underground, you can't even identify what animal that is. But as soon as you look at a skeleton, you can see what it is. So the law causes us to see what Yah is like, what, what his framework is. Without a law, there is chaos, anarchy, confusion. Gotcha. Yep. yep, totally agree. So enlightening to learn these things. It's enlightening and it's it's a jolt to the spirit. It's a shocker mm-hmm. to to see that. Wow, you know they really went all out to to deceive us. You know, yep. It's it's amazing how much they went through it. And and I, my you know me and my husband, he was we were looking at something the other night, uh, Friday night or Saturday night on YouTube, and he said, "Babe, look at this." And he said, "Do you know this guy?" And I said, "Yeah, that's who I studied the end times with since the boys were, you know, in elementary school. Our oldest, he's thirty, and it's like since he was in elementary school, I studied with this guy." And I said, "You know, as much knowledge as these people have, and as much studying as they have, 
it's hard for me to believe that they don't know who the real tribe of Judah is and who, you know, because how can you not touch on the scriptures in Revelation talking about, I know those who call themselves the Jews and they are not, they're the synagogues of Satan. It's like, how can you continue to pretend that those people are us? Who do you say that this scripture is about? You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, how can you overlook that scripture and continue to acknowledge them as the true Hebrew Israelites? You know, the learning is endless. It's just really jaw dropping to see how much has changed. And ever since my walk, I will say that this is why my relationship with y'all never stuck like glue, like it's supposed to, because I didn't know who I was and I didn't know who he was to me. Being a people that felt like we weren't accepted anywhere, Yah is all that we had. It's like I look to him and you almost have a, a sense of, did you really accept me? Because no one accepts us. And so now to know who he is, and to know that he's my king, he loves me because of my color and versus hate me because of my color, it changed the game for me. It it changed everything. And ever since, you know, I have gotten closer and closer with him. My husband and I, we pray together more. And it's not a day that goes by that we don't acknowledge y'all now. Whereas before, it wasn't like that. We have a savior that said that he came for the Israelites. He came for us to get it right. And it just meant the world to me that he loves me the way that he does. Following our interview, I expressed to Sheila how much I appreciated her sharing her story for all to hear. We said our farewells and I thanked her for putting in her kingdom work. This is what this walk is about. No one said it's a perfect walk. It's actually going to look ugly at times and certainly messy, but we do what we can to please the Most High and walk according to His will within the parameters of the covenant law. This is how we become fruit bearers. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, which is part of a limited series. Be sure to visit our website, kingdompreppers.org, for more of our presentations. Shalom.